everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's Tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Every summer in Chicago, the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline, its luxurious lakeshore, marvelous monuments, and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox. This is Crosstown Crosstalk. Hello and welcome to episode number 30 of Crosstown Crosstalk presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and as you notice, another week without Joey. Of course, we miss you, Joey. We know you'll be back on Crosstown Crosstalk soon enough. But until then, you just got to deal with me for right now. And of course, I'm not going to be alone this week. I'm going to bring in a very special guest. And I am very proud to welcome onto the show, of course, from ESPN 1000 for over 30 years as the operations manager and executive producer, and now a published author of the book Behind the Glass, Stories from a Sports Radio Producer, Randy Merkin. Randy, how are we doing? Uh, doing well, Vinny. How are you doing? Very good. Very good. You know, it's it's kind of crazy in the sports world right now. It's uh, it's a good time to be a fan of sports in Chicago, even though some of the teams are, you know, kind of reeling a little bit. But then you got, you know, teams like the Bulls and the White Sox having success. So it's not bad around town right now. Uh, no, I mean, listen, the Bears stink, but they're at least they're a storyline every week with Matt Nagy's future, whether Justin Fields is going to play or not. And uh, the Bulls have been great. Obviously, COVID's going to hit them recently. Um and the Hawks are just the Hawks. They're just kind of there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's been fun. I mean, I don't know when we'll see baseball again. But, uh, uh, I mean, there's always something to talk about in Chicago sports, no matter how bad our sports teams are. Uh, there's always some. There's always storylines each week to deal with. It's, it's a great city to cover. Isn't that the truth? I agree with you. So, of course, for our listeners who might not be familiar with you or your book or anything like that, Give us the Randy Merkin origin story. What is it that got you into sports radio, and why are you so passionate about it? Uh, well, um, I started all the way back in high school at Home and Flossmore High School. We had a great radio station, it's a thousand watts, great program run by Bob Comstock. Um, and uh, I used to broadcast. It was like a it was all in the, my brothers did it too. But I broadcast like all the basketball games, home and away. And then I was the first one to start broadcasting football games. And I had a, a sports show every Monday night for two hours. And, you know, I just fell in love with it. So I knew like right away when I was in high school, that's the avenue I wanted to take. And it just kind of went on from there. I went to Wisconsin, even though like Wisconsin isn't a great broadcasting school. I was uh, in the comm arts department, but. Uh, had a great internship at WGN, 
um, for for 12 years. I worked at a great national network called Sporting News Radio 101 Sports. Uh, I learned a ton there, traveled all over the all over the country to major sporting events, Super Bowls, Final Fours, NFL Draft. Uh, and then I uh, moved on to ESPN 1000 like in 2007 and it's just been uh, it's been a great run there as well. So, um, you know, if it's if you love what you do, right they say, you know, you don't ever you never work a day in your life or something like that. So, uh, I've had a great job, of, you know, for the most part I've loved what I've done, so uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. That's great to hear. And of course, your book, Behind the Glass, Stories from a Sports Radio Producer. What besides entertaining readers did you want? Why, like, why did you want to write this book? What were you looking for people to get from it? Yeah, it's, it's a good question, Vinny. Um, you know, I, first and foremost, I, I wanted, you know, because people seem to enjoy the stories. So I thought it would be, you know, I can go a little more in depth than I can on Twitter where I do a lot of the stories. So I figured why not try that? But like, I think it's good to know, even for hosts who are in the industry, like how hard it is to book a guest or how hard it is to be a radio producer. And like, I think sometimes when I tell my friends like, oh yeah, I got Barkley on today or Al Michaels came on, they're like, all right, cool, whatever. But no one really knows the behind the scenes of how tough doing that is. And if I can just shed a little light on, you know, to give some uh, little love for producers all across the country of how difficult our job is. I know it's not like anything like, you know, life or death, but it's, it's, it's a tough job. It really is because there's so many levels as a producer that you have to go through. So uh, that was another thing I was trying to get across, you know, and just kind of, um, you know, the, the underlying themes of the whole book was, you know, it's all about relationships um, and perseverance, you know, and um, I think uh, a lot of the stories certainly portray that. Okay, so you write in the book that you have the phone number of hundreds of notable people that would make great guests on any of the shows. Are there any names that stick out to you off the top of your head that you would consider like extra special or favorites of yours? Um, well, favorites, I mean, it all it all starts with, with Barkley for me because um, I've developed a pretty good relationship with him. I wouldn't say we're, like, we're buddies, but like, you know, uh, I text him. He comes on with Waddle and Sylvie, and he's a great guy. Um, I've seen it firsthand. We've done four in-person shows with him. The way he treats people is like nothing I've ever seen. You know, a, a someone his celebrity status, the way he treats people is fantastic. So um, I just love that relationship. And, I mean, you know, that's the one that sticks out. Like, to me, the, the thing that sticks out also is, like, Going back to when I first started, when I booked uh, George Steinbrenner a couple times, because I felt like those two times when I booked George Steinbrenner, I, I kind of was like, you know what, I think I can do this. Like, because if if I can conquer getting George Steinbrenner on both uh, not in ideal situations and convince him to come on both times, then I think I think possibly I got a chance to do this. So, um, you know, there's a lot of great stories. There's a lot of great stories I left out because, you know, I only had so much space, but um, Barkley, you know, is outstanding. Like, I love the relationship I have with Al Michaels, who's always been real friendly. Um, and, you know, these are like relationships that weren't like built strictly on like, hey, he knows my host. I'm going to like it's built, you know, like me putting him on and then him really loving like Waddle and Sylvie and still coming on to this day because of the relationship, All you know, we all have. So. 
um, that's part of the, that was part of the fun um, in writing the book was showing those relationships. That's awesome. And so every now and then, I'm sure you come across a guest that may be reluctant or might not want to come on. And, you know, sometimes that's difficult to hear. But has there ever been a, a time that you would like to share where you might have gotten someone to say yes after originally thinking no? And is there a certain secret to getting someone to kind of change their mind and come on one of your shows? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there's been plenty of times when people have said no. Uh, and some with, you know, emphatic, no, like, and then you're, you're not really going to ask them again, but like, um, you know, there's been a bunch of times where like a guest originally says like, you know, um, yeah, uh, uh, no thanks. And then like, you kind of like talk to him a second later and then he's kind of like, yeah, all right, I'll do it. And then come on. But like, I, the one in the, one in the, the book that always sticks out to me is John McEnroe when. Um, I always wanted to book John Mack because he's such a good interview. He's such a good analyst. And he was going into the Hall of Fame. And it was like in Newport, Rhode Island. And I found the hotel he was staying at. I called him up. And he was not happy at all that I called him in his hotel room. So that was a no for sure. And I happened to see him the next day when I was producing on a Saturday. I saw him giving his clips from his Hall of Fame speech. And I'm like, I'm trying him again. What's the worst he can do, right? Is yell at me again, hang up the phone, whatever. And he, when he answered again after his, his daughter answered and he gave, she gave him the phone, he was, again, he was not happy. And then I, I just said to him, John, you've been with your family like for 48 hours. You, you've got to be tired of them by now. And he was just kind of like, he paused for a second. He's like, yeah, good call. He's like, and then he yelled to his family, I'm going in the other room to do an interview, you know, for 20 minutes. I am not to be bothered. And I'm like, John, all we need is 10. He's like, no, no, you'll do 20. And, you know, so I turned that around. And if I hadn't persevered, you know, if I, if I just took no as an answer originally, and I did it the right way. Like, I didn't, like, pester him. You know, I just, I was ready to hang up if he had said no after, you know, my second try there. But, like, um, that's that's another cool story that I, I love telling because, like, McEnroe was outstanding. And it's all because I, I took a, a second swing at him. That's a great story that I think people are going to love hearing. Yeah, like that, that, that was, that's something. And yeah. of course that that's a major achievement I would say in your career, but is there another story of a, achievement in your career that sticks out as maybe like your greatest achievement or something that you are just super proud of as a producer? Wow. That's, that's a good one. Um, super proud of, you know what? Um, like I like taking a, a, I don't want to put like one at like, you know, guest booking or one thing like but i like making a good interview great and sometimes how do you do that that's by like everyone say everyone's gonna get like a certain guest you know when i worked at 101 sports and after a game you, you get like a certain guest you know like a, but how do i make it different like so for instance like uh i did a hitters round table with it was supposed to be tony gwynn paul molitor and wade boggs and i i had started working on this thing in march maybe even february spring training and like through all you know you had to work for three pr three pr people okay and it was back and forth back and forth hey can he do it this day yes no he can't do it that day we finally decided july 4th okay was the date so i mean i had spent five months setting this thing up and then the day of wade box cancels because he's in a slump and i'm like shaking my head I'm, and the two hosts i'm working with are like well you, you still we still got quite a monitor that's great and I'm like, no, I wanted three guys. So, you know, I'm like, who would be good? And I had a decent relationship with Hank Aaron. So I, I called up him, 
at home and his wife was really nice and said he's you know they had a day game in atlanta try him at the office so i called the office uh asked for hank aaron's office i called the you know turner field and he answered and i told him the whole gave him the whole thing and he was like yeah i'd love to do that and then i'm about to hang up i said okay i'll call you back he gave me a number i'll call you back in 30 minutes and he goes um i can't tell you how lucky you are i'm like oh yeah i know and he goes no i mean you this ranked in my secretary's phone. I never have answered this. I happened to be walking by and I answered it. He goes, I would not have done this if I didn't answer. I'm like, wow. So and that ended up being like this 30 minutes of gold because the three of them basically what we wanted was the three of them just to talk to each other, you know, about hitting. And like two minutes in, Hank Aaron basically jumped in and said to our host, Hey, do you mind if I jump in and ask Tony and Paul some questions? And then like for 15 minutes it was just the three of them talking talking hitting so uh that was that's always one that sticks out to me i tried to get jim and john harbaugh on together for a long time and we finally were able to get it done we stay uh you know jim played with waddle uh with the bears and then john knows him too and um we made we broke news because john wasn't happy with the bears and i didn't think he would go there but he did he ripped the bears you know how unprofessional they were so that was really good um my favorite cub of all time is Ryan Sandberg. I've had like four or five times to book him. And one time we did Rhino and uh, and Bruce Suter together because it was the anniversary of the Sandberg game, which I love. And um, we did the second segment just, just with Rhino. And I think it was the maybe in the first year Sammy was up for the Hall of Fame ballot. And uh, we asked him if, if he's a Hall of Famer, deserves to go in. And I was expecting, like, you know, your typical answer. Well, you know, who knows? And he said, no, no, he doesn't deserve to be in. And, like, it just made huge news the next day. All the papers picked it up. So those are just some of them. Um, again, like, I like taking a good guest or good and, – and, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out. It backfires on you. But, like, when it works, it's, it's outstanding. And those are just a few examples of that. That's awesome. Honestly, both of those stories are really cool. The one with Henry Aaron, though, he's my, one of my all-time favorite players, and I, I never got to watch him play, but just being like a baseball fan right. in the history sure. of the sport myself, that, sure. that that one hits home with me because me and my co-host, Joey, we talked about um, Henry Aaron at length on this show and with the Braves winning the World Series and all that. So yeah. it's that's really cool. Has there ever been a guest where they were like just so open to maybe coming on any of your shows and you had to think to yourself, okay, this guest personality is this, they would fit on Waddle and Sylvia, or they would fit better on, you know, Carmen and Yurko or with David Kaplan or with whoever basically has the proper personality for that type of guest. No, like I go into when I'm booking a guest already knowing like where the best spot is for that person. Now, like sometimes they'll be like, Hey, I can only do three o'clock and then I'll reach out to like, you know, Waddle and Sylvie's producers and be like, hey, do you guys want to talk to so-and-so? Um, there's other instances like, for instance, um, Andy Reid is only coming on with Yurko because Yurko played for him in Philly, I mean, in uh, Green Bay, and Andy Reid just lives for Yurko. So, like, if I'm trying to get Andy Reid on, I know the only show I, I have an option for uh, is, is with Carmen and Yurko. I'm trying to get Tom Izzo on. I know the only option is Cap because Cap has a, like a great relationship with him. So um, that's basically like I know going in like basically who I want to put. The, you know, I mean like I don't book a ton of guests for Cap show, but like if I if I 
try to get a certain guy, I know that, you know, hey, this is going to go towards Cap Show. Or, and I also know, like, I don't think this guy would be a good fit for Yurko because, you know, Yurko, so he, he has, like, a list of people he, he doesn't want to talk to. So I know going in, if I'm trying for a certain guest that it's not, and I'm trying to book him, it's not going to, you know, Yurko isn't a big fan of him that I'm, I'll try booking him for Waddle and Sylvia or a different show than, uh, than Carmen Yurko. Good question, sure. though. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, in your opinion, how competitive is the Chicago sports radio industry? I know there's a lot all over the place. Everybody's trying to get a seat at the table and it's a big city with awesome teams and lots of people. So obviously like the score is considered one of the great radio stations, you know, going in Chicago right now. Do you consider them your direct competitor or do you really just not care and only focus on ESPN 1000? No, I mean, listen, I would love an, I would love a third sports station in the city. I think, uh, you know, I mean, like, New York has FAN and ESPN, um, and I don't know if there's a, an official third, like, all-sports station there, but for a while there wasn't a third sports station in Chicago, and then it went away pretty quickly. But, I mean, you know, the score does a lot of good things, too. I mean, they, they've got really good programming as well. So I, I love the competition. Uh, I know a lot of the guys that work over there. They're good guys. Um, I've got great relationships with some of the guys over there. So. Um, I, I think it's fun to have a, 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 you know, a good competition with, with the other station and like, I wish them well, I don't wish, I don't wish ill will on anyone over there, but like, you know, it's a, it's a good station. I mean, listen, the score has been around a long time and it's been successful for a long time. So I think it's great for the market to have two successful sports stations because it provides jobs for a lot of people. And I mean, I, as I said, I would love somehow for a third station to come about, but I don't know how that would happen, but um no it's, it's great I, I think you know competition is good and uh it brings out the best in people so i mean i would I, it would be terrible if there's just one sports station this city. this this city deserves all these two sports stations because the passionate fans that are in this market are is crazy you know and you know and, and like it, there's just so much like what you got a podcast going you do the show right now like, there's so many podcasts there's, there's so many avenues and opportunities for content to be out there right now right um, it's great. There's, it's just uh, there's so many ways to get entertainment, uh, sports entertainment. So uh, I love, I'm, I'm ha- I love the competition. So I think it's great. That, that's a great answer. It's actually very refreshing to hear that from someone of like your status who mm-hmm. has been around as much as you have, because I'm kind of in the same boat. I love seeing other people succeed covering sports and I consider Chicago one of like the four big sports towns in the United States. So you got Philly, Boston, New York, and Chicago, right? So seeing Chicago do what they can to elevate the, you know, the story around them and bring it to the national scale, it starts locally. So I like hearing that from, from you for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. Like, I, I think, uh, um, you know, like it's, it's refreshing to, it's, it's also refreshing to hear how someone else goes about doing something, the same thing you're doing. Right. So, um, yeah, as I mentioned, like I've got a lot of good relationships with the guys over there, and uh, uh, yeah, competi- competition's good. It's good. It's you know, it's it's healthy. It's healthy. It, it brings out the best in us. And speaking yeah. of bringing out the best in people, I listen to specifically. I listen to ESPN one thousand a lot. Uh-huh. But I listen to David Kaplan, Cap and J Hood every uh-huh. single day. I have the, okay. the app, and I'm listening to it every day. What is David Kaplan like when there's no microphones around? I just got it. He's know. he's basically he's first of all he's he's a great guy. Like. You know, he has this persona of like, you know, take that and, you know, and sparkles, but he's, he's a good dude. Like I, I, when I, when Cap first started ESPN 1000, I produced this show like for 19 months, I want to say. Um, he's, you know, uh, he's funny because like, 
you know, he's he's got so much energy. Um, but like sometimes you gotta rein him in a little bit. But like off the mic, he he's this he's the same guy that he is on the ear, but he's just a great guy. Uh he's always in your corner. You know, he's been a huge help to me throughout my whole career. Um and like, you know, he gets it. Like he understands that uh there's more important things, you know, than always, you know, than your sports show every day. Like he's he's a great I I've I'm always been a huge fan of caps, even before I worked with him. Um, but uh yeah, I mean that, that's just who he is. Like he's the same guy off the air than he is on the air. You can have fun with him, you know. A lot of people like kind of bust his balls, you know, because it's so easy to do with some of the you know things he he says, but like I, I love Cap. So he, he's he's a good guy. Jonathan, I worked with Jonathan back at uh one on one sports back like in nineteen ninety four when we first got started together. We were, you know, so I've, I've known Hoodie for a long time. Great dude, hard worker. I mean he's doing so many different things. I don't know how he has time for, you know, he's like broadcasting UIC baseball, broadcasting UIC basketball. He has a wrestling podcast. He has an NBA podcast. Uh, then he's doing, you know, three hours every month, every morning, Monday through Friday. So uh, both those great dudes on and off the air for sure. I love hearing that because I've had David on this show once and he's such a busy guy that he had to do – he wants – you know, he, he likes to get his 10,000 steps in every yes. single day. And yeah. so he's getting his steps in, walking outside while holding the face cam right. to his face, talking right. to us about the Cubs and the White Sox. And honestly, it's one of my favorite moments in this show's history. And we've had Carmen on as well, and I would really like to get Jay hit on. So we'll see if we're able to do that. Yeah. But, of course, I got to ask you, aside from, like, the producing and the content creating all of it, which sport is like number one in your heart? What do you just love the most as Randy Merkin sitting on your couch at home watching the game? Um, okay, so I'm a little different. I mean, I love the NFL. Who doesn't love the NFL, right? Yeah, sure. The NFL. sure. It, so, but like I love college basketball. Um, like when Wisconsin made it back-to-back Final Four. Like I got to tell you, when I went to Wisconsin, we were just a, just an above-average team. Like 17-13 every year, and then we would always – you know, when the, the field of 64 would come out, we'd always be like, well, we got an outside chance of making it. And then we never, then when it would come out, we wouldn't be, we didn't get in. And then it would never even be, we weren't, we weren't even on the bubble. Like Wisconsin had no chance. So um, when Wisconsin made back-to-back Final Fours and played and had a nine-point lead in the championship game, like I, I was like stunned disbelief because first of all, I, I have a good relationship at the time with their head coach, Bo Ryans. I worked in Platteville, Wisconsin when he was the head coach there. But, like, college basketball, I, I love. I just love it. Um, like, my dream, like, you know, I'm a diehard Cub fan. Cubs win the World Series was unbelievable. But if Wisconsin somehow ever won a national championship in basketball, uh, I don't know what I would do. Like, it just – I think that'd be I, – I, I can't fa- – I mean, they were so close. That team was so good. I think they just ran out of gas because they beat that great Kentucky team and Duke had an easy game against Michigan State. But um, – I'd say college basketball, and I'm a huge golf fan. I love golf. I know it's not sexy anymore with Tiger, especially not playing very much. But um, you know, I love the I love the storylines in golf. Like Phil Mickelson winning a PGA Championship at the age of 50 is just such a great story. Um, I love playing golf. That's the one sport I can still play without injuring myself. So I, that's what I do. Um, so you know, as I mentioned, NFL's king. Um, you know, baseball's okay. It just kind of it's you know it's kind of drag sometimes so i don't love it my son plays baseball competitively so i i almost like watching his games more than watching the major league games but college basketball i think is my is my uh, second favorite sport for sure 
Absolutely. I love hearing that because you certainly named, obviously, besides the NFL, you named some sports that, you know, not everybody's watching as much. I People tune into the, the March Madness tour- tournament. Certainly, I've been watching more college basketball regular season lately. But and like you said, the, the headlines in golf are just always awesome. And it's like, we need that next tiger to kind of like take over the game and right. make people as passionate about it. Because if you dig deep, if you're just a sports fan in general and you dig deep into the world of golf, I think you will find how actually awesome it is. Going into Sunday every year on the big, you know, the big tours throughout the year are awesome. Yeah, there, you know, and you said the next tiger, there will never be another tiger. Like, no, no, he, no. He's like, like, he just, he stops whatever you're doing. Like, you know, like, he just announced yesterday that he's going to play in the PNC father-son challenge again with his son, Charlie. And I just loved watching that last year just because, like, you could see how much his son loved playing with him, you know. And, like, when he would – you know, he he obviously – his tee box is much further up than Tiger's. And he would hit a great drive and turn around and give his dad the thumbs up so Tiger didn't even have to drive the ball. So, um, like, you know, I, I covered when I back in the day when I worked at Sporting News Radio, I covered a ton of majors. Like I was at like like five or six US Opens and five and six PGA championships. And I covered, you know, a bunch of Tiger One. Like I was at Valhalla when Tiger beat Bob May in the playoff. You know, um, I stood next to him at a press conference when he was waiting for Bob May to get done on Saturday. And I mean, like he I'm just an awe of the guy. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a great sport. Like it's again, you really have to, right now, if you're a golf fan, you really have to be passionate about it because I have to admit, like, you know, the Bryson angle with Brooks Kepka is fine, but like there's, you know, there's not a lot of personality on the tour right now. It's just a lot of good guys, you know, but like, um, you know, Tiger just draws everyone. Phil draws people to the tour, but like these guys are really, really good, but the personality wise, you know, a lot of people just don't, just don't care about them that much, but that's, that's golf and college basketball are the two sports that I, I really, I really love the most. Sure. And before I let you go out, I got to get I got to get your opinion on two football related things. The first ESPN um, stats has the Buccaneers versus the Patriots at 10% to meet in the Super Bowl. And that's the highest possible matchup of any two teams. Is there anything better for guys like you and me who are in the content game than the Brady versus Belichick Super Bowl? Are you rooting for it? Do you think it's possible? Oh, yeah. I I, I would love to see that. I, I, I was trying to think the other day, like, you know, what could possibly top that? Like, you know, like Brady versus Belichick. I mean, I, I'm trying to think of a scenario like of a guy who left the team. Like, say Aaron Rodgers left Green Bay, then maybe that. But, like, um, you know, we had, Al, we had Al Michaels on with Waddle and Sylvie this week and he kind of said yeah but the super bowl is great regardless of who's in it but like if you had brady versus belichick that would there's no way to top that i mean the storylines over the two weeks you know because you after a while you're looking for storylines you know two weeks a long time to build up for a game but there would be endless amount of storylines with brady versus belichick uh for super bowl i i covered uh, the first Patriots Super Bowl when they beat upset the Rams, they were 14 point underdogs. And I remember being on the field after the game with this, the brick cell phone back then, trying to get Tom Brady and Robert Kraft, you know, to do interviews. Um, you know, and like I, I think I, I think I covered two or three of maybe four of, of those Super Bowls in person. And like most of the guys in that team were just great guys. Like, you know, we were do our shows afterwards underneath the, like the, in the bowels of the stadium, they set up these little risers and you 
you know, these guys were all great guys willing to come over and do interviews. So, no, I'm with you, though. Brady versus Belichick is – I think Belichick would be – whoever loses would be miserable, right? So, like, you're – you know, I guess the closest thing, the coolest thing was John versus Jim Harbaugh, um, brother mm-hmm. brother. That was a really cool Super Bowl. And then it was a crazy Super Bowl. Remember, the power went out. And then all of a sudden, the 49ers, the Ravens were up huge, and the 49ers had made this miraculous comeback and had like first and goal from the floor, and they threw four incomplete passes and lost the game. And then afterwards, like Jim Harbaugh didn't want to hug John Harbaugh, and it was just crazy. But no, uh, Brady Belichick would there'd be nothing like it. Nothing. Yeah, like it. the only thing I could think of, even slightly, co- like you, you made some good picks that would be like similar but if jordan would have not came back to the bulls and went to like the utah jazz or something after right. playing baseball and then came yeah. back and played pippen and rodman and phil jackson in the finals in right. 96 like that yeah. to me would have been like the closest possible thing but i do think coaches impact basketball slightly less than in football so really like i don't know it's just it's literally the coolest possible story yeah like yeah and you know it's not going to happen just because it's just like for that to happen it's still pretty crazy like there's so many variables that have to have to fall into place for yeah. that to happen. There's a guy named Patrick Mahomes who would hear this conversation really? and go, you yes. guys are nuts. You forget yes, about me. Exactly. But exactly. also the college football playoff. We have the uh, first group of five team to ever make it in Cincinnati. And do, do you think Alabama is going to repeat? Uh, yeah. I mean, they're really good. I know they're one of the wide receivers is hurt. He's not playing. Um, I, I think, uh, I you know I was never a huge fan of Georgia. Like I, I didn't think they played anyone. I mean, they played what Clemson, who ended up being not very good. Um, and I was watching, actually watching the Big Ten Network after Michigan had had destroyed Iowa, and I heard Howard Griffin say he watched Georgia play uh, Tennessee, and he said if Tennessee had a quarterback, they would have won that game easily because Georgia's uh, Tennessee wide receivers were running by Georgia secondary the entire game, just couldn't get the ball to him. Um, I, I think there's something with Michigan. I, I don't know if they have the quarterback that can handle, Al, you know, Alabama's defense or, but they win the line of scrimmage every game, you know, like they should be undefeated. That Michigan state game, they won that game. Uh, they were up 14 and they had the strip sack for a touchdown and they, and they, and they overturned it and there was nothing there to overturn it. That, that was a strip sack. They went up 21. They would have beat Michigan state, but they got Hutchinson. They got the other kid on the other side who's unblockable. Um, you know, and they've got a great running game. If 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 they get anything out of their quarterback position, I I think they can win it all. I really do. Um, like they, you know, they win the line of scrimmage. They do. Like they des- they destroyed Iowa. Now, everyone knew they were going to destroy Iowa, but they beat the they beat the crap out of Ohio State. I mean, they took it to them. Like Ohio State was in stunned disbelief in that game. They thought they were going to come in. Their wide receivers were going to run this the crossing routes. You know. Kudos to Jim Harbaugh because he he learned, right? He got rid of some of his coordinators who weren't working out. He brought in some young guys. Uh, I think his offense coordinator, I think, just won the Frank Broyles Award for uh, assistant coach of the year. So, like, he 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 redefined himself, right? I mean, like, he could have just been stuck in the mud and been like, nope, I'm doing it this way and that's it. But he's like, you know what? I need to make some changes. And you could tell it this year. I mean, first team that was unranked that's in the final four, you know, in the playoffs. So, um, I, I mean, if you ask me right now, I'd probably say Bama's like two to one. And I, I think Michigan is the second favorite right now. I really do. You know, assuming everyone stays healthy, tell me how you're blocking those guys on the outside. You know, they're going to cause havoc. And and like Bennett's fine, the quarterback for Georgia. But like, 
I, I don't see how he's he's going to get past the, uh, both Michigan and Bama. I mean, since he's a great story, and they beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame pretty convincingly, um, and they, you know, they've had some weird wins against some bad teams, but I think that they were just kind of going through the schedule at that point. But um, I don't put anything past Cincy, but I think, you know, you give Nick Saban that much time to prepare for a game, nine out of ten times he's going to win that game. Yeah, it was impressive for Cincinnati to beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame and then win the championship game against Houston, who's not, you know, a shabby team themselves. Right, but, right. It, you know, it sounds like Randy Merkin is predicting an Alabama versus the Big Ten champion for the second year in a row. And I think college football fans would be in for a treat if that were the case. Yeah, I would love to see it. I, I'm a big Jim Harbaugh fan. Um, and uh, if he could somehow win a national championship, I'd be very curious to see. I think he's staying there. Like, I don't think, I think he, he loves it there, but like, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be knocking on his door. If, if he wins a national, even if they, if he gets to a national championship game, there's gonna be a lot of people knocking on his door for sure. Yeah, sure. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming on yeah. the show. It was Thanks an honor to me. talk to you. It was, I appreciate it so much. Of course. And before you go, let people know where you can get the book. Sure. Thanks. Appreciate it. So, uh, behind the glass, the book.com behind the glass, the book.com. And this Saturday at Dino Sports Fan Shop in the Glen. It's great. If you've ever been there, if you need any sort of jersey, shirts, anything, the guy's got more merchandise than I've ever seen a human being have. Uh, I'm going to be there from one to three uh, signing books, and you can buy books there as well. So the first way is behind the glass, the book.com. And then if not this Saturday, I'll be at Dino Sports Fan Shop in the Glen from one to three. Happy to sign any books. Uh, you can buy the books there as well. Absolutely. Can't thank you enough. Randy Merkin, ESPN 1000, executive producer, author of the book, Behind the Glass Stories from the sports radio, from a sports radio producer. Thank you so much. Anytime, Vinny. Take care, buddy. You too. Thank you again. And we would like to send you off to a quick commercial break. It just pisses me off to the fact, like, to no end to see him on another team when he should still be with the Hawks. Ro uh, Rocky Wirt should call Stan Bowman and just remind him that he's still fired because of that trade. Just call him up and say, how you doing? How's the family? Oh, by the way, just so you know, you're still fired. And he's uh, so good, dude. And, um, and it made me laugh when Panarin was on the Hawks. He's only good because of Kane. Are you stupid? Did Kane ever have 100 points before Panarin came along? What the hell are you talking about? So, yeah. I don't know. That used to piss me off, too. And I'm happy that when they did trade him, he proved that it wasn't because of Patrick Kane. And I think every no normal, rational Blackhawks fan would agree with me on that, saying that they're happy seeing him have success without Patrick Kane because Artemi Panarin deserves his props as well. Oh, yeah. And it's not his fault he was traded. You can't hate Panarin because oh, the, no. the end of the Hawks oh, no, was an no, idiot. No, no. Oh, I yeah. don't hate Panarin. Oh, yeah. Well, I love Panarin. Bowman lost three trades involving Brandon Saab. Not one, not two, three. I love Panarin because he gets in. You could tell he's passionate. Like he's throwing gloves over at Brad Marchand. <laughs> I love yeah. this guy. And Artemi Panarin, he challenged some political controversies in Russia a couple years ago. And he had to take a leave of absence to go help his family, like protect them or whatever. And the Rangers had like a 300 winning percentage while he was gone. So, in terms of most valuable players to his team, it's hard to argue against Artemi Panarin for the New York Rangers. Yeah. And over this weekend, uh, one of our family members, you know, asked me, and a lot of times, like people who aren't huge NHL fans, but really big Blackhawks, they don't necessarily don't know like how certain players are doing, especially over in the Eastern Conference. That's kind of why we invented this show. Yeah. They don't watch the games, which is understandable. And, you know, a when obviously when the Rangers make their way over to Chicago or vice versa, 
it, it reminds people like, oh, yeah, Artemi Panarin, how's he doing? And a question I get a lot is, how did the Hawks ever let that guy go? And then you have to explain, yeah, it was probably one of the worst trades I've ever seen the Blackhawks do in the past 20 years. Um, but then you have to remind that person, like, yeah, this guy is not only is he doing good with the Rangers, he gets MVP votes every single year, it seems. And he's going to win one one of these years. <laughs> And if you like what you just saw, that hilarious conversation between me, Frankie Mueller, and Joey Parisi, that's Bar Down Talking Hockey every Wednesday at 2 o'clock. Gets a little heated sometimes. That sport gets the three of us going, but especially straight-up stupidity, like trading Artemi Panarin for Brandon Saad and a bag of pucks. And Brandon Saad's a good player. He's got 11 goals for St. Louis. But, you know, the Hawks, they made some dumb moves over the – over the years, Stan Bowman, he should be fired twice. But we're not talking about hockey on this show right now, even though there's not much baseball to talk about because, of course, we're in a lockout. What is there to talk about during the lockout? You know, we're arguing over escrow and money and, you know, contract lengths and should you be a free agent early? And then, you know, more rules-based things like, hey, is there going to be a DH in the National League? Or is the runner on second and extra innings going to stay? How are we going to handle this? What is going to go on with the COVID vaccine? All sorts of BS that nobody really wants to hear about right now because we're talking Hall of Fame. Oh, the other controversial thing going on in in baseball. The, there might not be – you heard me talk with Brandy Merkin about Brady versus Belichick. 10% chance to meet in the Super Bowl. That's the highest of any potential matchup in the NFL right now according to ESPN stats. Well – if that's the greatest debate in sports history, Brady versus Belichick, I think a top five debate is the Baseball Hall of Fame because, of course, there's things involving steroids and this person's an asshole off the field and this person did that, this person did that. But, you know, should we stick to just baseball? Should we take the human element? If you're a shitbag human being, should you be in? There are so many things that go into it. But, you know, if there's one thing that I think could be – kind of taken, you know, lightly, it's the golden era committee. And it's, you know, players from the past who might not have made it to the Hall of Fame, right, wrong, or indifferent. And they got it kind of right with this year's golden era committee Hall of Fame selection. And of course, I'm talking about Gil Hodges, Jim Cat, Tony Oliva, Bud Fowler, Buck O'Neill, and of course, the great Minnie Minoso. Those are the six players who were taken into the Hall of Fame. Unfortunately, Jim Cat and Tony Olivia at 83 years old are the only two still with us. The other four have, you know, since their playing days passed on. And I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm just so knowledgeable about the six players that played 50 to 60 years before I was born. But I will say this. I do know that in the movie Field of Dreams – when they bring back young Archie Graham to the field of dreams, he starts pointing at the players and goes, that's Smokey Joe Wood and Mel Ott and Gil Hodges. Gil Hodges is finally in the hall of fame. That that's really cool to see. Um, so hopefully somewhere Moonlight Graham is smiling down from the heavens that Gil Hodges made it to the hall of fame. But the two players that played for the Chicago White Sox on this list, Jim Cat had a nice little run. He's one of the two players still with us. Um, 
I, I looked up some of his stats. Some of his best years were with the White Sox. So it's really cool to see that. And then, of course, Minnie Minoso. Minnie Minoso is legitimately one of the greatest players in the history of not only the Chicago White Sox, but Chicago baseball. His number nine hangs at guaranteed rate field. It is a retired number. And it it's really cool to see him finally get in. He is the first black player to ever play baseball professionally in Major League Baseball in the city of Chicago. And I, I think that is just so cool. His reach in the Cuban community is so great. He helped pave the way for guys like Jose Abreu, Yasmani Grandal, Yoan Moncada, Luis Robert. Minnie Minoso's the guy. And the White Sox might not have landed Jose Abreu in 2014 if they didn't have the rich history of Minnie Minoso. I know that was like a, a pretty big factor in bringing Abreu to town. And guess what? Bringing Abreu to town led to someone like Luis Robert coming to town because Jose Abreu is more than a man but less than a god in Cuba right now. And, you know, bringing in those young kids from that great baseball country, it all stems from having the great Mini Minoso way back when. And you see him in his older years in these videos. If you're watching it live, if you're on the podcast, you could check it on all the Barroom Network programming options, YouTube, Facebook Live, Twitter Live, all that stuff. But it, it's just, it's great to see that in his later years of life, he was able to enjoy some time with the White Sox and, you know, watch the younger kids play and be around with the team. And I, I truly believe he's one of the greatest players in the history of the team and the history of Chicago sports in general. He might not quite be on the Chicago Sports Hall of Fame, but if there was a top 10 list, I think he would certainly be on it because he was a great player both on and off the field. And of course, these six players that made it in the um, Golden Era Committee Hall of Fame, they will be honored along with any players that are selected from the Baseball Writers Association of America, which we will get to in one second, on July 24th, 2022, of course, in Cooperstown, New York, the home of the Baseball Hall of Fame. And... I really want to get to Cooperstown one of these days and go to the Hall of Fame myself. You can actually kind of get to the three Hall of Fames. They're like a little – well, there's four Hall of Fames, but the three I would want to see on a little triangle are the Hockey Hall of Fame, the Baseball Hall of Fame, and the Football Hall of Fame. They kind of form a little triangle if you start in New York, and then you can make your way back to Chicago after seeing the Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. But that's a story for another day. I believe that the Hall of Fame should be a place – where the greatest players make it. And there are things that can keep players out that have nothing to do with their on-the-field play. But I think if you're going to put in players from the steroid era, you can put them in if they were – they have to be, like, extra special to me. And when I think of extra special, I think of Barry Bonds and I think of Alex Rodriguez. Those two guys would have made it to the Hall of Fame no matter what. They they decided to do what they did and, you know, the Mitchell report and all that stuff. But I'm probably putting both of those guys in. Those are the two guys on the current ballot that is out there right now that I would vote for. And then I would also vote for David Ortiz as well. Big Poppy is one of the greatest players in Boston Red Sox history. He's one of the greatest designated hitters in the history of the sport. One of the greatest leaders, one of the greatest champions. And if, if you go to Boston, just ask someone about Big Poppy. And they'll tell you everything that you need to know about the guy. And, of course, there were some prominent Chicago athletes on the ballot as well. And, of course, the three that are like the three big ones to me are A.J. Pierzynski, who was the catcher 
on the 2005 World Series champion Chicago White Sox. And AJ, I don't think AJ is ultimately going to be in, but I understand why he's on the ballot at minimum. He is one of the best catchers of the 2000s, and he did get his World Series championship, and he was a prominent player on that team. You know the moment with the drop third strike, and it probably wasn't a drop third strike, but there wasn't video replay back then. And, you know, David Erstack gets really mad, and then, you know, the Angels just freak out on this stuff, and then the White Sox end up winning this game. And it's a game they might not have won had A.J. Pierzynski not at minimum had the wherewithal to challenge the umpire and run to first base after the potential drop third strike after – taking a step towards the dugout. So I think A.J. Pierzynski, he's not a number retired guy. There's no statue of him at Guaranteed Right Field, and they have a statue for basically everyone. I might get a statue there one day. But I'm talking like I just think he's a really important player in the history of the team, but he's probably more Hall of Very Good if I'm talking realistically. And then, of course, I feel the same way about Mark Burley. Mark Burley is one of the greatest pitchers to ever pitch for the Chicago White Sox. He's certainly one of the most accomplished. But to be honest with you, if you had to take the best five years of Mark Burley and the best five years of, say, Chris Sale, you're going to take Chris Sale. And so when I think of the Hall of Fame, I think of it as something that should be an exclusive club that only the best of the best, if you have to think about it, it's no. And maybe I'm a little harsh on the Hall of Fame and I'm a little – you know, more, I I lean new school on basically everything in life, especially sports, but with the hall of fame, I kind of think it's something where like, like I said, if you have to think about it, it's probably no, unless we're talking like steroids or off the field stuff, then that's, you know, then there's real debate, but like Paul Konerko didn't make it as you see in that highlight right there. If Paul Konerko's not making it, then I don't think AJ Pierzynski or Mark Burley are making it because Paul Konerko over AJ, especially had a significant impact in Major League Baseball. And who knows? Maybe if he were to have been part of the community that participated in PED usage, he might have been hitting 500, 600 home runs and made his career numbers look just a little bit better. And I guess that's an argument against putting in, you know, some of those guys. But Paul Konerko was just a great player. And, you know, he was he didn't even receive the 5% needed to stay on the ballot. He's off the ballot now. And so we'll see what happens with Mark Burley and A.J. Pierzynski, but I just don't see it. Now, the real intrigue in terms of Chicago media coverage is, of course, Sammy Sosa. And Sammy Sosa is one of the – he's literally one of the most polarizing players in the history of Chicago sports. I mean, recently a documentary came out – long way gone or something like that ESPN 30 for 30 about the home run chase in 1998 between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and the lockout in 1994 kind of funny that we're sitting here dealing with a lockout again and the White Sox were good both times um Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire each trying to win the home run chase for that season along with Ken Griffey Jr. until he kind of fell off maybe a little bit and came about 10 home runs short, but those two guys might've saved the sport and they brought the interest back to baseball, Wrigley field and Bush stadium in St. Louis. They were bumping. Everybody wanted when Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire were coming up to bat. It was like when the Oilers are going on the power play and you, you know, you got to check out what McDavid and dry are going to do when Mc or when Sosa comes up to bat, 
Is he going to hit a home run today? Check the box score every single day if you're not watching it on TV. Did, hey, did Sammy hit a home run yesterday? Yeah, I think he did, actually. Oh, he's only one behind McGuire. He's one ahead of McGuire right now. The conversation revolved around baseball, and it was just really cool to see. If you want to put them in as builders, why not? I mean, there are so many different ways to reward Sammy, and let me be very clear about this. The fact that the Cubs – haven't welcomed back Sammy Sosa since he retired to even just throw out the first pitch or give a nice little wave to the crowd. Tom Ricketts, you don't even have to like Sammy Sosa. Just let him come back and wave to the crowd or something. And I'll tell you what, I'm a White Sox guy. If I was Jerry Reinsdorf or Rick Hahn or even Tony La Russa, because don't think Tony La Russa doesn't have some pull over there either. I'd say we should welcome back Sammy Sosa. Let's make the Cubs look bad. We'll welcome him back. He played for us. We got Bell out of it. It was, you know, it's a terrible trade for the White Sox. They got screwed on that. But I mean, why not? You know, he's a Chicago athlete. He's one of the greatest Chicago athletes ever. And does he hit 600 home runs if he doesn't participate in the PED stuff? Probably not. But does he hit five? Probably. There's a reason every PED user didn't hit 600 and whatever home runs that Sammy hit. I mean, you want to put an asterisk on their plaque or you want to make a special wing in the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown? Go for it. But Sammy Sosa should at minimum be honored because he's one of the greatest players to ever put on a Chicago Cubs uniform. And, you know, I think the fact that he was traded from the White Sox to the Cubs too has extra meaning because, you know, we see how much White Sox fans love Eloy Jimenez today. Oh, yeah, Eloy Jimenez is an elite hitter. He could hit 45 to 50 bombs and bat 300 and produce 100 RBIs. But so can Luis Robert and Moncada and Abreu. Like, there's just something about Eloy that White Sox fans gravitate towards because of the personality and because of the fact they got him from the Cubs. And so, the the, you know, I'm sure there were some Cubs fans back in the day that appreciated that the Cubs won that trade and had Sammy Sosa, who ended up being one of their all-time great players. So if you're not going to put him in the Hall of Fame, at least honor the guy. I mean, but, you know, ultimately, if I had a vote, he'd get one. But I don't think that the writers are going to put in anyone this year. I honestly think every single player is going to come short of the 75%, and the Baseball Writers Association will elect nobody. And the six guys made it that made it from the MLB Golden Era Committee will be on their way to the Hall of Fame by themselves. There won't be any recently retired players going. I hope I'm wrong. I'd love to see Bonds making in his last year. A-Rod maybe. Big Poppy. I mean, Big big Poppy, he's three World Series, you know, MVP conversation year after year and outstanding leader and outstanding person and, you know, the stuff with the marathon and the way he handled, you know, the city of Boston and making it his second home and honoring those people who lost their lives. I, I'm a big David Ortiz fan, so I just hope he makes it one day. But the Hall of Fame is what it is. You know, I can't control it. Maybe one day I'll get a vote and I'll try and contribute as much as I can. But, you know, at least it's something to talk about in the world of baseball while they argue over money. Because there's no baseball right now. The Cubs and the Mets, or the Mets are thinking about, you know, who's going to be their next manager. There's people interviewing all over the place. Players are Minor league players are signing all over the place. Minor league baseball is fine and well. The winter meetings were finished in terms of the minor league portion of things. Their, their players are signing contracts. Their season is set to begin on time. So at least we'll have that. that. That's the one difference between what will happen if there's no baseball 
as opposed to COVID. When there was COVID, there was nothing. You know, the KBO came back, but it took three months. Minor league baseball was gone. It was for health and safety reasons. This time around, it's for stupidity and lack of character and, you know, financial issues and rule issues. So at least there will be baseball to watch to some extent. But that's really all I have for this show with there being the lockout. You know, we'll have plenty of stuff coming next week. I'm going to look to have another guest for episode 31 of Crosstown Crosstalk. And, of course, you could check out all the other great shows on the Barroom Network this weekend. Got a pretty ugly game coming up here. Justin Fields confirmed to be the starter for the Chicago Bears against the Green Bay Packers on Sunday night football. And guess what, guys? It's a dirty shame that two weeks in a row we have to watch the Chicago Bears on prime time. They play the Green Bay Packers on Sunday night football, and then one week later they play the Minnesota Vikings on Monday night football. So two weeks in a row watching the Chicago Bears get destroyed on national television for the whole world to see. That's going to be a lot of fun. But guess what? Aldo and the boys are going to be right here on the Barroom Network covering that stuff. And, you know, you could follow along with everyone on Twitter. You got me, you got Neil Stopchinski, you got Aldo with the Barroom Network Twitter handle and just the Buffon 55, all the shows that cover the Chicago Bears. You're going to want to check that out. And, of course, even though they're dealing with COVID, we're seeing so much red here in Chicago. I only want to eat red things when the Bulls are playing because they're that fun to watch. And, you know, they took a hard L to the Cleveland Cavaliers last night. And hopefully they're able to bounce back in their next game. But, you know, it's, it's the Chicago Blackhawks, they're good lately. Uh, they're okay lately. And they're still losing ground in the standings because the other teams ahead of them just keep winning. So they're in a tough spot, but at minimum, they're fun to watch. And, of course – we have wearing a Cubs hat for some reason, a special guest appearance from Aldo Gandia, the great director of the Barroom Network. I'm, the only reason I'm wearing this Cubs hat is to be color coordinated with my baseball de Puerto Rico t-shirt. I, I love Puerto Rican baseball. I love Puerto, uh, Francisco Lindor, Javier Baez. It's great. Yep. And if you ever get a chance to go to Puerto Rico, uh, just go at a time where they're playing Puerto, Puerto Rican baseball, the Caribbean League stuff, and you will enjoy those games so much. There's so much energy in these small stadiums, and uh, and you can go from one town to another and, and catch multiple games in, uh, in, in just one night. It's, it's pretty cool. But the reason I'm popping in is because today's a very special day, and we wanted to wish you from everyone here at the barroom, wanted to wish you a very happy birthday. And I am I am not uh, bullshitting you or anyone else when I say that you, Vinny Parisi, are a very special and talented young man. I wrote here to a talented sports webcast host, writer, and producer, because those are the three duties you have just with the bar room alone. And I know how dedicated and how hardworking you are uh, with the fan-sided articles and, and the different websites within there that you write, you're, you're, you are a very, very talented writer, producer, co-host, and, and solo host, as you did today, interviewer. And I uh, consider myself very, very fortunate that you are a part of the barroom. And, uh, and I hope that we have a working relationship for a long time. But 
If not, it's going to be because you will soon be at a radio station like ESPN. You will soon be making some money professionally elsewhere that I unfortunately can't pay you. Uh, but uh, I, I think that the, 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 the best is, is yet to come for Vinny Parisi. And uh, this is one of my little highlights of being part of the Barroom Network is that I am associated with you, my friend, uh, because again, you are very talented. And, and now that you've got your brother and your, uh, uh, Frankie is what? Uh, cousin? He's my cousin. Yep. He's yeah. My cousin. <laughs> and you got to watch Bar Down Hockey if you have not watched it. Even if you're not a big fan of hockey, just the, the chemistry between those three guys, it's like just hanging out at the bar and talking about hockey and sports. The, and yesterday's episode, when you have that third period where you were talking about college football, you're talking about pro football and stuff, it, it just captures the spirit of uh, the Parisis. But again, happy birthday to you. Uh, and who is this that wished you a happy birthday here? This is, uh, is that Mano? That's, that, that's mom. That's my mom. <laughs> uh, so it's great that she's wishing you a happy birthday too. So again, I uh, just wanted to wish you a happy birthday, my friend, and, and tell you how much I appreciate uh, our partnership. Thank you very much. That means so much to me. And you've been great and helping me get to where I'm at today. And I wouldn't be where I am in terms of the webcasting and producing it without your help. So thank you so much. I appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. You got it, brother. Absolutely. And of course, Aldo, he's where everything on this Barroom Network started and how it's going so well. And nothing, you know, my my interview with Gavin Sheets and, you know, doing stuff with David Kaplan and Carmen DeFalco and pitching Ninja, like all that is because of the platform that Aldo has given me and gracious enough to allow me to bring in my brother and my cousin, Frankie, who I love so much. And you know, who, who does that? Who allows someone like me who's in the industry already to be like, Hey, can I bring my brother and my cousin in to chip in and, you know, be a part of this and grow their names themselves. And he's like, yeah, of course. So all credit to Aldo for all of that. And I can't thank everybody who's wished me a happy birthday enough from the bottom of my heart. And hopefully the number one thing I want for my birthday from the sports world is, of course, baseball to end its lockout and, you know, get back to worrying about the game on the field. And I, I, I wouldn't mind a Tom Brady Super Bowl again. That that wouldn't hurt too much either from the sports world point of view. So, of course, I will end it there and thank everybody for listening. You can follow me at Vinny Parisi on Twitter, the Barroom Network, at Barroom Network on Twitter. And, of course, throw Joey a follow at Joey Parisi on Twitter and send him a DM getting mad at him for all his bad picks that he has forced you to bet over the last couple of days. And, of course, I leave you with that. Thank you for listening.